Family, when I tell y'all that life has been a journey, it truly has. It truly has. But listen, I come with a word because I know I've been gone for a while. But I did this Bible plan with one of my closest friends, and it was called Purpose and Passion. And I remember the first devotional talked about not settling for less. Listen, so many times in this in this life, we settle for things because we feel like this is as good as it's going to get. Hold up. I'm talking to myself right here. Sometimes we settle for things because we get too comfortable and we don't want change. I'm, I, I think I'm still talking to myself here. Sometimes, y'all, I get to a point in my life where I just feel like, you know what? This is all that it is going to be. I need to be content with where I'm at. But God never called us to be content in anything. God never called us to be comfortable in anything. The Bible even talks about how being uncomfortable promotes growth. So why am I so comfortable with being comfortable? I should never want to be comfortable. I never want to say that I settled for anything. Even when I have a family, I want to continue to achieve and go above and beyond. I never want to say that I had to settle for anything. Even when it comes to my relationship, I don't want to settle. When it comes to my family, I don't want to settle. When it comes to my job, I don't want to settle. When it comes to my car, I don't want to settle. When it comes to my living, I don't want to settle. I never want to settle because settling is not good. And if I can read to y'all what this devotional said, it talked about how are you excited about your life? And that's the question I had to ask myself, Des, are you excited about your life? Or do you feel as though you're barely existing? And there was a time where I felt like I was barely existing. I felt like every day was the same routine. I got up, I went to work, I came home. I got up, I went to work, and I came home. I got up, I went to work, and I came home. Can I say it again? I got up, I went to work, and I came back home. Y'all, I was so tired of living the same thing on repeat. And I kept asking myself, and I started questioning God. I'm like, God, are you real? Are you in my life? Because if you were in my life, why am I still doing the same things? But then God spoke to me and he sat me down and had me look back at my life. And he said, I'm not making you do the same things over again. You're choosing to do the same things. I blessed you with a place to stay. I blessed you with a car. And he said, I blessed you with a job. You're choosing to work and go home. You're choosing to do the same things that you was doing when you didn't have a job. So why are you coming to me complaining about how you're settling, but you chose to settle? You chose to sit there in your mess. You chose not to leave your house. You chose to sit at home during the whole entire pandemic and not take yourself out to the park. You chose to sit at home in a whole pandemic and not watch a TV show. You chose to sit there and make yourself immobile. You chose to allow the enemy to come into your life and cause turmoil. You chose to make these decisions that you made. And I'm like, God, how in the world did I choose this? Because you stopped reading your word and you allowed the enemy to come into your life and take over. Listen, the Bible says in the book of first, in first Peter chapter five, verse eight, it says, be alert and a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil prowls around like a warring, like a roaring lion. So the enemy is constantly walking around like a lion waiting for you to slip up so he can devour you. The Bible says that prowls around like a roaring lion for someone to devour. 
So when you're sitting there moping in your pain, making yourself immobile, when you can be going out living what God has called you to live, here I am. I chose to live this life and sit here in my pain. And here the enemy is trying to devour me because I've allowed him to because I chose to stray away from what God has for me. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, how do you know what God has for you? Well, God also tells us in where did he say that at? In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11. We all know that for the for I know the plans that and thoughts that I have for you, plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster, but to give you future and a hope. Let me run it back because I don't think anybody heard me when I said that. I didn't even hear myself. He said. For I know the plans that I have for you, plans for peace and well-being. So God never calls disaster. He doesn't cause disaster. He doesn't cause turmoil. He calls peace and well-being. So when you're in the midst of that storm and you're complaining to God about how he put you in this storm, you got to realize that God gives peace. And if you believe in God, then there is peace in your storm. You just have to find God. You have to seek God. You have to call on God when that devil is coming around prying like a lot. When that devil, that devil, I just uh, he will he will he will take you out if you allow him to. But when that devil comes around like a lion looking for somebody to devour, if you're not screaming Jesus, then you you out of luck. Because he's going to scoop you into that headlock. And put you into that state of depression. And he's going to make you feel like you're nothing. He's going to make you start envying everybody else in their lives. Well, someone so graduated, they had a whole party, but I couldn't have a party because my graduation was during the pandemic. You sound like a hater. Well, I want a new car. Someone so got a new car, but I'm still driving the same car from high school. You sound like a hater. You know, it's funny how once we get what God has given us, we start, we forget everything. Listen, there was a time when you didn't have a car. There was a time when you were still staying with your parents and didn't have a place to stay. There was a time when you wish you had what you already have. But guys, we get to this point where we start to forget. And the Bible talks about in the book of Philippians Chapter one, verse three, it says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Well, let's take it. Let's take it this way. It ain't about just remembering people when it says you. But it's about everything. That car that you wished, that house that you wish for. Every time I get in my car, I thank God because it was a t- y'all. If you knew y'all, some of y'all know the process that I had with my old car. Brother Leroy. That SUV of mine, man, I'll tell you, the, between the battery, the rotors, the brakes, the tires, the transmission, the radiator, the engine. God, the sunroof leaking when it rained. <laughs> I thank God every time I get in my car. And even when I had Leroy, you could ask anybody that rode with me. I always would touch my dash and say, God, I thank you because he didn't have to give me a car. He didn't have to give me a job. He didn't have to heal my mind. He didn't have to bring me out. He didn't have to answer my call when I called him when the devil was prowling in my life. He didn't have to bring me out, but he did because he's God. And we have to understand that finding your purpose is a constant process. It's a never ending process. And 
You just got to stay. You got to you got to hold yourself accountable and you can't allow other people to help hold you accountable. Sometimes you got to be that person in your life that sows seeds and not be the person that's trying to get the seeds. Who would have thought that I'd have the friends that I have now? I've always been a person that loved talking about, excuse me, that loved talking about God. And mm, when you start pouring into people's lives, I'm getting deep with this, y'all. When you start pouring into people's lives and talking about God and sowing seeds in people's lives, you, you don't even know why you're doing that. You don't know what caused you to do that. But the moment that you fall down and that friend that you sold into, they just happen to call you. Hey, you on my mind. You good? Man, I'm going through this, that and the third dog. Like I'm just struggling for real. Well, Des, I remember you told me back in so-and-so, so-and-so that when you start feeling down that we should pray, right? You told me back then about the book of Psalms in the 23rd chapter, verse 4, how it says, yeah, though I walked through the valley. Weren't you the one that told me that? So why are you not living by it? That's accountability. You sowed a seed and now that seed is help holding you accountable because you spread the word. Y'all, when you're going through things, when you start sharing things with people and helping people go through their situations, people will do the same for you. But here's the problem. We start labeling people with expectations of what we expect for them to do for us. And now you've lost your purpose and you've lost your passion because now you're focused on gimme, 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 gimme. You're expecting the world to give you this. When I'm feeling down, I expect somebody to check on me. Well, you got God. All you got to do is read a word, bro. He'll check you just like that. He'll check on you. Sometimes you got to be the one to reach out to your friends. Friends can't read your mind, especially if they far away. I don't know what's going on with you. You might have crossed my mind today, but if I ask you what's wrong and you tell me nothing, what can I do? I can pray for you. But even then, it, ain't, it might not get no heart in the ceiling. I don't even know what I'm praying for, but I pray for you. God, I pray that you touch them because I don't know what's going on. Well, to be honest, I do feel like sometimes I am a victim. Uh-uh. Say it like you said it. Look. Say it like you said it, dog. I'm being real with y'all. And I don't know if people have experienced the same thing that I experienced. I love God. I love him because he's amazing and whatnot. But I be feeling like sometimes God be taking too long. Like, I feel like he don't answer my prayers like I need him to. And it's not about what I want or about what I need. Sometimes I have to, you know, you know, take accountability to be, you know, patient and whatnot. But at the same time, it's like I'm hurt, God. I'm, 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 I'm not the way I should be. I'm not the way that I am supposed to be. I don't feel comfortable, you know. And just to go back on what you kept saying all the time is about, you know, God wants us to be in an uncomfortable state. But for me, it's just like that's the reason why I want somebody to check up on me. I want somebody to have a conversation with me and, you know, give me some advice instead of being the person that, hey, I need you to wait a little bit. I'm working something out for you, but I need you to wait. And that's what God be telling me sometimes. So I'm learning as we go along or as I go specifically along my journey of finding my purpose. But I know for me, there's been plenty of times where 
I felt like God took too long. And I it just really, I didn't like that. You need that physical answer. Yes. That's why I'll be always wanting to talk to people who are here on this earth. Little do I know that God doesn't want me to really talk to these people. He Especially if it's not a person that he sent to be in my life. A vessel mm-hmm. that he's speaking through to speak to me. But sometimes it's just like I want somebody to tell me at that moment, like, what should I do? I feel like God takes them. He takes long. I, I, I honestly feel like that. And there's no, nothing against God because I love God. I love everything that he's done. But I'm learning. I'm learning to learn how to be patient. I'm learning to understand that, hey, when I have an issue, sometimes I can't run to these world folk. Well. Sometimes I have to run to him. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do have to pray. Sometimes I do have to fast. Sometimes I don't need closure from that person. Sometimes I need the dog going to run it through by myself. Come on here. Not necessarily by myself because you know God is good. Right. But at the end of the day, I got to do it by myself. And some people are not comfortable with doing it by themselves. Some people need somebody to be up on them 24-7. Some people need somebody to sit there and support them and love them and all that stuff. But like you kept saying earlier is that when you say you go through some issues and stuff like that, you always run to God. And that's the way it's supposed to be. I do because people, sometimes when I ask my friends for advice, they tell me the right thing. And I'm like, God, that don't even sound right. I'm like, God, that don't sound like nothing you tell me to do. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes you go through a situation and it's dealing with your family. And the first thing somebody say, well, I feel like you just tell them how it is. You can't do that. Don't work like that. Or, like, if you're in a relationship, I'm, I'm a victim of this. And people say, oh, well, just leave them. You can't say that. It don't work like that. <laughs> it don't work That's like why that. you don't come to me for relationship advice. Nope. It don't work like that. But for real, though, I, I, I just had to learn, like, when I started going through things, like, sometimes people will give you this carnal answer. And it might sound good in the flesh. Well, let me go ahead and say that. But it's not. And it's like, once you done prayed about it, like, God, please give me the right things to say. God, I need to talk to somebody. Please. Who can I talk to? God, with those some names in your mind where you can talk to this person. I could call that person. But God, if I call them, the conversation is going to end up talking about themselves. And I won't talk to them because they're going to talk about themselves. Well, why don't you call this person? Well, God, if I call that person, I'm going to end up ministering to myself. Well, maybe you need to call that person. And it'd be the person that I call that'd get me through. And to also go back about, you know, how we have these general responses to people who are going through, like, for instance, you know, if a person is going in a, or is in a relationship and they're going through that back and forth and, you know, nothing is ever just as ever agreeing with each other. It's just your response would be, hey, we'll just get over it. Sometimes it's not that easy to get over. Yeah, you know and, too well because that's exactly what I'm going to say. Get over it. I know, but sometimes it's not easy to do that. And sometimes we're saying that because we want to feel like, you know, we're speaking to them out of love. And some people really honestly don't want to hear that. Some people are just not some in that. Some people don't need that love. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, God died on the cross for our sins. He rose the third day. He knows for a fact that we're not perfect. He can sit there and tell us that. He can sit there and speak it to through somebody. And he tells us that in the book of Jeremiah. For I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you. Exactly. He knows for a fact that sometimes when we hear that from somebody that we're not going to actually do what he say or do it. 
we're not gonna do that. We're humans. We're we were made from dirt. Mm-hmm. Made from scratch dirt. So it's just like think positive about somebody, not negative. You gotta give people time. Like I've always told you, like I've always said, seeking your purpose is an ongoing process. People are not gonna get it on the first try. They're not gonna get it on the hundredth try. They're not going to get it on the affinity try. And that's why finding your purpose and that's why living is not a marathon. Exactly. We ain't in no race. Nope. Just because so-and-so just got them a brand new 50,000 billion, whatever you want to call it, dollar house. And I'm still living in my apartment. It ain't no race. See, that's when we start losing our purpose and our passions in life. And we start trying to keep up with the Joneses. Exactly. So how do you... How do you stay grounded when it comes to you finding your purpose? I just got to understand that whatever is going on around me, whoever got this, whoever got that, that's not my purpose. That's not for me. Because every single, try, every single time that I keep trying what other people are going through or other people are doing, it never works out. And why is that? Because it wasn't for me. It there was it never for me. When I started doing what God told me to do, that's when everything started working out. Even when everything seemed to fail, it still worked out for my good. But when I started doing stuff for other, like the things that other people were doing, <laughs> the devil came in and just shut that door right quick. But at the end of the day, you learn from that. That's you said the devil came in and shut that door. Let me tell you something. <clears throat> You ever had, you ever done something you had no business doing? Mm-hmm. And when you said the devil shut that door, a lot of people was like, no, you mean God shut that door. No, the devil shut that door. The you ever been somewhere where you had no business being that's and you felt like a door just shut in your life and you feel trapped? And that's when that lion starts running around waiting to devour you because you're in a place where you have no business being. And if you keep your mouth shut yep. and you stay quiet, he will take you out. And I don't mean take you out as and kill you. I mean, he might. Because the devil does steal, kill, and destroy. But he will literally put you in this mindset to make you feel not good enough. But if you open your mouth and you call on God's name, that door will bust wide open. Hinges off and everything. You ever seen some of those movies where you have those people who are buried underground? Mm-hmm. Six feet deep underground. You think them people sat there the whole time and just allowed the devil to sit there and contain them in that one little box knowing that God said that you were alive and I still have a plan for you? Them people was doing, I know for instance for Kill Bill, they buried her underground and she Mm -hmm. was in a tombstone. She said that she had to get out. I'm, I'm alive right now. God has too much for me. I got to get... In her case, it was, oh, I got to get revenge because somebody killed my daughter. Da, 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 da. But I also look at it as, you know, I'm sitting here alive. I'm not dead. Why am I six feet under the ground? So I started fighting my way through that. You know, with her, she, she used her fist. She broke the, the tombstone and eventually came out of the dirt. But that just, to me, shows me, like, you're not done yet. You're still alive. I still have purpose for your life. Sometimes we get stuck in that moment. Sometimes we get very 
confounded in that moment. And sometimes it's just, you know what? You just got to break through and you got to keep pushing. Like I talked about earlier, how I feel like my life was on repeat. Wake up, work, wake up, work, wake up, work, wake up, work, wake up, work. And the enemy will make you feel like you dead. Mm -hmm. The world will make you feel like you dead. Yep. You're trying to keep up with everybody else and things aren't going in your life. Mm -hmm. I want to book a trip to the so-and-so, so-and-so. Let me book a trip to Jamaica. Mm -hmm. I ain't got the money to go, but I'm going to book it anyway. And now I go down there and I come back and I'm broke and I wonder why I can't pay my bills. And you can't pay your bills because you try to keep with everybody else. Yep. And God's like, you can have fun where you are, but don't let the enemy bury you because you don't know right from wrong. That's why you have to make God approved risk. So when it comes to you dealing with your passions... How do you deal with your passions? God, I know some of your passions might be passions of the world, and some of them might be passions that align with God. Um, back when I was in college, um, I remember getting this opportunity to be, um, or to do a co-op at uh, Mercedes Benz in Greenville, South Carolina, and a lot of people were pushing me. They were pushing me. They were pushing me. They were pushing me. Now, in my mind and, you know, where I was at, I was like, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. I don't want to do this. I'm not. But that was on my terms. But what, well, the funny thing that happened was it was like God was actually the one that told me that's not where I need you to be. I have a deadline. I have something set and planned for your life right now. If you go and do this co-op, you're putting yourself off track for what I have planned for you. How did you notice that? I noticed it. This is how I noticed it. When I first applied, well, when I finally applied and, you know, sent my information to the guy, he finally sent back and said, you're not qualified. I was like, what? I'm not qualified. What do you mean? He's like, you don't have the Python, you know, um, computer skills to be able to do this. I was like, hmm. I was like, okay. Did you even know what Python was? I knew what Python was at the time. But I was just like, hmm, okay. So I kept going, I kept going. And then something else popped up. And something closed. And I was like, hmm, okay. So I kept going, I kept going. And everything that I kept doing or kept going into always closed. I said, okay, God. I'm sitting here. I'm tired of going through these doors. And I'm tired of you shutting them in my face. What do you want me to do? And that's when I had to step back. I said, it's not about the money. It's not about being famous. It's not about being a professional. It's not about any of that. It's doing what benefits the kingdom of God. Mm. And the reason why I know for that is because, yeah, I'm a teacher at this high school. And I'm teaching the kids and whatnot. Not realizing that the reason why he's putting me in this position is to prepare for the youth ministry at our church. Well... And that's to be able to set an example for them, which is the reason why I don't focus on what my mom is doing as the leader of the praise team. So God puts you in a position that will teach you how to engage with people and to teach you how to be sympathetic. He puts you in a situation that prepared you for a ministry, a youth ministry. From you dealing with you. Wow. And that's how God speaks. 
We may not see it right now. We may not understand it right now. But eventually it's all going to make be made clear. It's all going to be made clear. So when did your walk with God grow as to where it is now? Because I know when I first met you, I don't want to put your business out here, but when I first met you as a tutor in your, um, well, I was just a person going in there chilling for real because I wasn't getting no tutoring. Keep it hot, y'all. Humble open the trash can. (laughs) You didn't seem so churchy. And you know me, I'm a busted wide open talking about God. Hallelujah. I, y'all, I was that type of person. I walked into the, the lab. Hallelujah. And Aaliyah just... There are people in here trying to study this. But when did your walk with God really go so crazy and Jesus free? Um, That's funny. Let me piggyback on the, the college thing. The reason why I was not so churchy is because I felt embarrassed. Really? I did. I really did. I felt embarrassed. So when did you learn not to be embarrassed? Um, I would say, honestly, I didn't feel like I should be embarrassed until last year during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. During the pandemic, I spent so much time focusing on Aaliyah and building her relationship with God. Like, that was just the absolutely most moment, most successful moment I have ever experienced in my life. I was so happy that that pandemic happened because I feel like if I'm looking back, or I'm in the position now, I will I'm be like, Lord, I'm just not where I need to be. Y'all, I, we used to leave together before I used to even work there, for real. We all used to hang out at the thing and wait for the closet. Mm-hmm. We'd get out there, and I'd just be out there just talking about God. And she's like, you are so loud. I'd be in the stairwells. Stairwells. Does that say that right? Stairwells, no. What, I'd just be singing all types of gospel songs. You're like, do you ever not talk about God? <laughs> I said, No. I don't. But to see you, y'all, she's more of a Jesus freak than I am. I hate to call her a freak. But that's good. You focus on yourself because you had a purpose. A purpose that you wanted to figure out what it was. So you aligned yourself with God. You didn't allow God to align himself with you, but you aligned yourself with him. You figured out what he asked us for in the Bible. Yep. And you then you position yourself in a way to be able to accept mm-hmm. and be accepting of what he called for. Yep. Wow. I had to seek him first. Like, Ooh. I was just, I was. What does the Bible say? Seek first the kingdom? Mm-mm. I had to seek him first. I really did. I had to, like, realize that, are you really going the direction that you're supposed to go in? And I really had to think about that. And as I prayed, as I fasted, as I continued to read my word, all of that was revealed to me. Like, this is your purpose. Now, think about all the things that you have been doing. Was that ever going to get you to your purpose? And I was just like, mm, maybe not. So some of the things that I that I used to do, I don't do those things anymore because I realized that my purpose is on a different path. You know what's crazy? I can't even tell you when I started aligning myself with God. I've always, I've always talked about God. Even I was, I remember when I was in high school, my friends wouldn't invite. I can't even say they're my friends because they're not my friends no more. I don't even hang out with them. But the people that I thought was my friends in high school wouldn't invite me to things because I was too churchy. It was like, Des, we didn't think you want to go bowling. Like, what in the world does the church have to do with bowling? You feel me? 
What does us skating have to do with bowling? But they just didn't want to be around somebody that always talked about God. And I didn't want to be that person where I had to stop talking about God in order to fit in. Y'all, when I was drunk, I would talk about God. And my friends were like, Desmond, you're drunk. No, no, no. Listen, I feel like God wants you to come to him in the midst of your, in the midst of your sin. And the fact that I was crying out to God while I was drunk, that's a sign. I don't drink no more, y'all. I do. Let me back that up. I don't get drunk. I still drink, but I I don't even drink enough to even feel tipsy. But but seriously though, that's how it was for me. I feel like I know that sometimes we do drink, and sometimes we do be get under the influence. But I feel like God, for me, when I do you know sit on the couch and I drink my wine and whatnot, I do feel like God is talks to me very a lot better because I feel vulnerable. Mm. Like. I could sit here and have a glass of wine and I could be sitting here watching the video. I'm just watching the video because I like the song. It's then, like when you do, I didn't mean to cut you out because I felt what you said. I know exactly how you feel. Because when you get in that state where you're out of your flesh, relax. it's like you're a wound. And I'm very sensitive right now. Mm-hmm. So don't poke me too hard because yep. I might bleed. But it's an, it's an opening for God because it's like, see, everything goes back to God, y'all. Go ahead and finish. But keep going. You're right because when you feel vulnerable, you feel like you're at a calm state. It's like everything that you've thought about has went out the window. Everything that you're thinking about, everything that was consuming you at that point. It's like to me, I get the opportunity to now focus on him. And that teaches me because when it comes time for me to be on that praise and worship team, and actually feel that vulnerable stage, that's how I have to be. I have to be in a stage where I'm not saying why I'm drunk, but I'm saying where I'm in a relaxed stage. I just, to me, the way God speaks to me after sitting on the couch drinking that wine. So you drink wine before you go on stage? No. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I was about to say, what oh I'm my saying, God, dog, don't be telling my no, people this. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, I feel like God speaks to me. Because this is the stage that he wants me to be at. Not saying mm. that I have to have alcohol in my system, mm. but it's just the whole point of when I want you to go out here and I want you to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit, I want you to be this vulnerable. I want you to be freely. I want you to be calm. I want you to be open to what I'm about to do in your life. But do you ever feel like it's sad that we have to It is do that in order to feel vulnerable? It is. It is. It is. Think about the pandemic. The pandemic happened. A lot of other things started changing because the pandemic happened. But we have to go through stuff like that. That's we have true. to bump our heads. That's true. To get through, get to the point where we're not perfect. We're not perfect, and that's why I always keep going back to it. There, if we were that perfect, that man would have never doggone allowed them people to nail him to that doggone cross. You better stop talking. I mean, seriously <laughs> though. If we were that perfect, he would never have done that. He would have never made that sacrifice for us. Never if he thought that we were perfect. That's true. So the fact that he's doing that, it's just amazing. That just makes me want to sit there and build a relationship with him even more. Seek him even more. Like, God is just... I don't... I don't understand him sometimes. You know what's so crazy? How you get when you say that you drink your wine and you just become an open wound to God? 
I used to be the same way when it came to smoking weed. Mm-hmm. I felt like when I smoked weed, it got me higher to God. But when I stopped, when I can't, y'all, it's a process now. <laughs> yes, it is. Let me make myself it's clear. Process. It's a process. Yep. But when I pulled myself back from smoking weed and just kind of just started focusing on God, sometimes I get so high just by sitting in my car listening to gospel music. And I'm like, bro, I feel like I did when I smoked the blunt. So when am I That's smoking the, the blunt? That's the experience that God wants us to have. But, like I keep saying, God has to speak to us through those specific moments. Sometimes he will speak to you through your sins. Exactly. You like going to the club, God going to show his face in the club. But we also have to be careful because when God speaks to to us through our sins, sometimes we have to distinguish the difference between what's really right and what's really wrong. That's right. But how do you know what's right? You got to see how God speaks to you. To know right. And if he's speaking to you real good, then you know it's coming from above because the Bible says that all good things come from above. Not some, not a little bit, but what? All. All. But when things start really working out, not only for your good, but when they start lining up with the way God wants you to live, that's how you know that you're in that state of, hey, I'm on that path, God. I'm building that relationship with you. I'm lost for words right now. My God has just been too good. Like, even through my sins, even through my mistakes, my wrongdoings, even when everything was just terrible, he still spoke to me. He still delivered, even though there were good things. But at the end of the day, the fact that he spoke so much to my life to the point where I had to get up every morning, pick up that Bible and read, Fast and pray, which is the three things that he wanted me to do. But I had to go through that just to get to this point. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. God, God is amazing. Like, like, I just have no words for my God. Like, I will always serve him no matter what. See, in order to serve God, I had to know his word. You know, David talked about in the Bible. He said, that word have I hid in my heart. I called you that night. Mm-hmm. Y'all, I ain't going to say I was crying because tears weren't coming from my eyes. But I was very emotional mm-hmm. driving back from work. And I really preached my to myself, to her. Yep. And I was talking about how the Bible, how David said in the book of Psalms, how thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Yep. That's the verse. And you have to... Dorinda Clark Cole even said it for herself. She said, you got to have the Bible in your hand at all times. And I know people's like, well, I ain't got a Bible. I need to go buy one. You need to buy a Bible when you have your phone. Take your cell phone with you everywhere you go. The Bible app comes in several different versions. Yep. You can get it in any version. You can even t- make it so it's a split screen and you can see the King version compared to the New International Version. The King James Version compared to the Amplified Version. The New Translation Version compared to the Standard Version. I mean, there's just so many things. But to back it up, she says you also got to have it in your head. But in order to have things in your head, you got to have it in your heart. And when you know somebody's name, you don't know their name from the top of your head, but you know their name because something about their name touched you from their face to the way they talked. Something about that person in particular made you remember their name. Mm-hmm. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. I have to keep his word in my heart so I can remember it. I have to know what he said 
so that when I'm starting starting to feel down, I can remember what David said, blase, blase. Or it was Peter that walked out there because he had faith. I need to have faith like Peter. Mm-hmm. I need that Peter faith. I need that crazy faith to walk out in the middle of the water. You hear what I'm coming from? We gotta, we gotta be able to, we gotta be able to know it for ourselves and not just let our pastors or the people at church tell us what the Bible says. And then we go home and, and, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens thee. Do you know what verse that comes from? Or do you just know the word? I just know the word. You gotta be able to find it. Whenever you're feeling down, you just, I I gotta find the word because it's going to, you ever been in, when we was in grade school? Mm-hmm. I say grade school. I'm so old, y'all. <laughs> Back when we was in grade school, you know how the teacher, how the sentence would say the dog is wet. And the teacher would say, well, where is the, why is the dog wet? Well, I don't know. You got to read the rest of the text mm-hmm. to figure out why David hid the word in his heart so that he may never sin against thee. Why did David do that? Mm-hmm. So let me go back to the scripture in Psalms, 9, Psalms 119 verse 10. And figure out why he did that. Then let me jump to the scripture, verse 11. Then let me go to 12 and figure out what happened next once he said that. You get where I'm coming from? You got to know. You got to know where it's coming from. Even when you talk to your friends and you're talking about statistics or politics and people are like, bro, stop lying. I'm not even lying. There's a gas shortage. Well, how do you know there's a gas shortage? You lie. Bro, I'm not lying. It says it here. Where? You pulling up all these facts of where it says it, but we don't do that when it comes to the word. Reference. You got a reference. It cite your source. Yes, sir. Where you get it from? I remember my uh my senior capstone teacher at AT, Dr. Barnes, she said, Everything that you put on your paper, I'm gonna question you why. Because I want a source. I want to know where you got it from. And when you get to that source, I need to know why that source said that. Mm-hmm. When you go to the book of Psalms. 119 verse 11, when David said, thy word have I hid in my heart. I need to know who David is. I need to know why David said it. Why did Jesus choose David? What did Jesus, what did David do? Who is David? What is David's calling? Why did, why was what David said so important that it's in the Bible? You have to go back and find your sources. But when it comes to the word, we don't want to do that. And that's something that's very, very good because also I know this problem is not on point, but when we're trying to draw men unto God and trying to build his kingdom up, some people want to know, oh, you just talking about God. Who is he? Where did he come from? You know, well, how does he apply to my life? Give me some scenarios in the Bible that just make him seem like he is just all magnificent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like at the end of the day, like, it's important for us to read the Bible. It's important for us to understand the things that are happening in the Bible and how it also applies to our life at the end of the day. But it's just like, you know, we're always talking about benefiting the kingdom, kingdoms, trying to build the kingdom up. That's another thing that comes into play about reading the Bible. That's one of the reasons why I have to read the Bible. That's one of the reasons why I have to study the, his word. Because at the end of the day, when these kids come up to here and, you know, they want to know all about, well, what does it mean to be um, a person that's in music? What does it mean to be a person who's on that front line? They want to know those specific facts, and I have to be able to reference that from the Bible. If that's something that they believe in, I should be able to go to the Bible and say, hey, this is what, you, this is what supports that. 
And you're exactly right. And the Bible tells so many stories about things. And like you, that is so, that's so good what you yes. just said about men coming into the church because they want to know why. Yep. Why is Noah so important? Well, they don't even understand that Noah's three sons and their families helped him build that ark. It wasn't just Noah by himself. You know, Moses worked as a team with various people, including Aaron and Joshua in his leadership role of the Israelites. Look at Nehemiah. He, re- he rebuilt the broken walls and the gates of Jerusalem with a lot of help. But we don't tell those stories of the Bible. Well, let me not even say that because they do, but people check out. Who is God? Why is God so important? Why are these people so important in God's hospital? But we don't look back to read the stories. Paul had many associates, including Timothy, Barnabas, Silas, Titus, and Luke. And he traveled tens of thousands of miles spreading the word of Jesus. And even if you look at Jesus, Jesus chose how many men? Twelve. Twelve to surround him and help him in practical ways. He developed such a strong bond with 11 of those disciples that every one of them was willing to die for his Lord. So we can get our men. Oh, my God. I'm not going to start preaching. I'm going to leave it alone. But if we can get our men to to pay attention to the word and not just allow church to be a women thing. And you see how many men in the Bible paved the way because they trusted God. Even as small as a what? A mustard seed. (laughs) They still have faith in them. That's so crazy. We talk about faith. That is some crazy faith right there. Crazy faith. As small as a mustard seed. You want me to have that much faith? I could throw a mustard seed on this floor and we wouldn't find it. Right. And I got glasses on. And you want me to have that much faith? If that's all I need. And that's all I need, though. But see, I, I, I hate to say this, y'all. I hate to say it. You know, I've said it many, many times, and God knows my heart. But we have to try God like we tried these drugs. You didn't start off drinking a full bo- bottle of Bacardi. You didn't start off of drinking a full bottle of Jim Beam Apple or a full bottle of Crown Apple. You took one shot that made you like it, that made you take another shot, then another shot, and another shot. I didn't know. We have to try God like that. <laughs> All right, Sometimes we just got to give him something small. Let me give God my love life. And let me see what he does with it. Right. Now God's opening up my eyes to so many things of what I need to perfect in myself before I find somebody to love. Yep. And you're like, God, I see what you're doing myself. Let me give you my trust. And God will build something in you to help you learn how to trust people and not be so easily to push over. And then you say, God, you know what? You did a good job with that. Help me with my finances. Mm-hmm. God will start to cancel things out and start to... Con- a lot of people talk about how the, the Holy Spirit will convict you. My pastor said to me, and Bishop T.D. Jake said it as well. He said the, the Holy Spirit doesn't just convict you, but he convinces you. <laughs> so let me give God my finances so he can convince me not to buy things that I don't need to buy. Now let me trust God with my life because at this point I'm addicted to Jesus. Which Just like you addicted to that bottle of alcohol, I'm addicted to God. So now I've given him my life and he controls everything that I do because I've aligned myself with him. Just like you make time for your shots, I make time for God. Mm-hmm. Just like you make time to go to the bars, I make time to pray. Mm-hmm. Just like you make time to go out and do crazy things, I make time to go to church. Just like you make time to go to the liquor store and buy liquor, I make time for God. Just like you sit there and study which liquor you're going to try, I sit there and find out which word I need to read. And apply it to your life. And I'm a man. 
that loves God. Ooh. Is there anything else left to say? Dang, nothing. I'm lost for words right now. Take me out, Jesus. The Holy Spirit that moved up in here. <laughs> <sighs> Y'all, I'm done. That's all I got. That's all I got. That's it. Don't allow people to disturb you from your purpose in life. Don't allow things of the world to take you away from what your purpose is. And don't go around thinking that you know what your purpose is when honestly you may or may not. Don't try to do things because other people are doing it. Don't travel to Jamaica because your friends travel to Jamaica. Travel somewhere else. Unless that's a place where you've always wanted to go. Mm -hmm. But don't do it because other people are doing it, Aaliyah. That's true. Just because everybody else is doing great things in their lives and here you are, you can't sit here with the mindset, well, maybe, God, I'm being stagnant. Or maybe, God, I'm not aligning myself with you because now you're doubting yourself. And now you're doubting God because God placed you where he wanted you to be. So what's the issue? What's the issue? We conformed. We we are condemned to this world. That's the issue. Why are we condemned to the world? Because of our cell phones. <laughs> this social media. Jealousy. Has shown us something. Yep. Something that we want from others. That we can't get ourselves. Amen. And why can't we get it ourselves? Because we're too focused on trying to align ourselves with the world and not of God. Because the world is always changing. So if you align yourself with the world, you'll never get caught up. But God's word has never changed and it stayed the same. So if you align yourself with God, you'll never get missed. When Jesus comes into the neighborhood, I promise he's going to stop by. Hallelujah. If you keep these friends of the world, they might come into your neighborhood and smoke with the people across the hall from mm-hmm. you and not even tell you that they there. Mm-hmm. But Jesus is going to knock on your door. And just like Uber Eats or Grub Hub or DoorDash, he'll leave it at your door to let you know he came by. Ah, that's a word right <laughs> there. Huh? Lord, cut it. Take it. Take me out, Jesus. Take me out. <laughs> I'm serious, though. That's it. We don't need to go no further. God spoke. I'm the Holy serious. Spirit has moved in this room. That's it. The atmosphere has been set. That's it. That's how it is. Let it go. That's how it is. I'm finished. I'm done. I'm done, Jesus. And that's the end of it, y'all. That's the end of it. It's crazy how Jesus will pull up to your neighborhood. And he might not even be your friend, but he'd be the only one that reached out to let you know he was there. Okay. He'd leave that fry at your door to let you know that Jesus came by. Stop by here. But your own friends will come into your own neighborhood. They'll come to your city and not even tell you. They'll drive right through your city to go to Charlotte and won't even tell you that they're here. But Jesus, Jesus will go out his way, take the exit, turn left at the light, make a right, and pull up to your house. <laughs> knock on your door and let you know that he's there. But our own friends won't even do that. But we love the world. We love our friends, though, because they've always been there for us. Or have you always been there for them? When are you going to stop playing Jesus in other people's lives and allow Jesus to be Jesus in your own life? I'm done. Turn the mic out. I'm done, y'all. I'm done. I done done ran it. Drop the mic. Mic drop.